All right, let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> the Earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. The baby, please. I have a dream. Shouldn't we consider in every nation a fundamental restructuring of economic, political, social, and religious institutions? We have come here to let you know that change is coming, whether you like it or not. Undo reality and remake it in a way that allows for a more hopeful present. Hi everyone, welcome to Cosmic. Human beings on planet Earth trying to figure out what the hell is going on in this world. It feels like we humans are becoming addicted to immediate gratification. There's an app for everything. And it feels like the fundamental notion of commitment is in danger. This struck me last Monday when I went to a cello concert at the Talia Foundation in Brussels. Christine Lee was playing. She's a very talented cellist from South Korea originally and the US. And I can tell you one thing. Every single note she plays is a true commitment and it's actually hard to comprehend how much work was put into perfecting her play. Guess what? She's also an activist and she's sitting beside me. Hello, Christine. Hello. <laughs> wow, what a coincidence. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Uh, we have a lot of things to talk about. Cosmic is uh, an influencer network for people who are working with um, urgent social and environmental issues. Mm. And as you know, we're trying to bridge to the art community, to maybe unusual areas of uh, activism and change. And um, yeah, I think um, today we want to talk about uh, musical education, what this can do co to, to children. Um, Commitment, that's a very interesting topic. Big one. Big one. <laughs> and also maybe um, the, the role of artists in, in society and how you see the world and, and your role as an artist. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, let's uh, get started. I also promised that we would play very different styles of music uh, because you're on a journey right now where you're exploring uh, other areas, you are telling me that you are trying to get people interested in, in classical music. Yes. That's your mission. That is my mission. But it requires that you understand what it takes to jump into other of course. styles of music. I think it, it's important that I understand what other things are out there. You know, I mean, I think I would still most likely believe that My favorite kind is classical music, but I think if I can defend why it is my favorite, then I think my argument's even stronger. All right, let's start with this. Hey, 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 ki hey kids. On behalf of the classes, masses, we showed up ski masses, pigs and asses to murder asses. Lift up our glasses and watch your palaces burn to ashes. 
get 50 lashes All cause I'm motivated, stimulated, never smoking, simulated, happy and burning hashes Killer, killer, diddle with him like he'll squill him, get him, hit him, got him, shot him and flip the mattress Woo! I'm the man, bitch, got big ideas, got plans to rock Rothschild living in Bill Gates in the ghost of Jobs. Yeah, I said that I'm in it. I ain't flinching it. March on mention it. Run through a motherfucker face like ignorant. Internet domain imminent. We the preeminent. Killing it, winning it, spitting it. Ready, raw rap shit. Rhyme ridiculous. Enemy grave, he digging it. Then we pissing it. Us go to hell, we bending it. Getting it. For the herd, even you lyrics absurd. Better all kick to the curb. That is my word. Back in the bench, not timeline zip. No wins for the kid. I shit, I got curved. In the bench, they rip. I'm a bitch so sick with the clock zip. The whip swerve. It's like nothing I broke. Can't stand the scope. In the booth of this road, like better ass pope on a play date. Better call Mayday. Maybe I spray. I'm an AK. Get played and played it. I'm serving dead meat. Fame the table. Cain and Abel. Death's the brightest. Run the tools to make last breath Brexit. So I was going on my usual um, after work activity, going listen to some music, mm-hmm. and I show up in this art gallery where uh, I, this art foundation where we're sitting right now, the Talia Foundation in Brussels. We send them a big a big thank you for hosting yes. us. Um, and here you come, and just with the warm up. I could feel, I haven't been to a cello concert in a long time. And it's true that it's an instrument where you really feel the commitment because it's, it's a fairly big instrument. Mm-hmm. And every note is just like, it's physical. Mm-hmm. And your precision and your talent playing was amazing. Can you tell me about that commitment that you have to throw into playing and how you learned this? Yes. Um, well, to give you a little bit of a background, I started playing the cello when I was uh, seven years old. Yeah. And so I've been playing for about 20 years. And I feel that even after 20 years of you know, playing every day, practicing, um, that the journey is just is going to continue for a very long time. And I read a while back um, Malcolm Gladwell's um, I forget his book do, do you know which book I'm talking about? I don't know what book you're talking anyways, about anyways there's a book that Malcolm Gladwell wrote and it talks about in order to be really great achieve some achieve greatness that you have to put 10,000 hours oh yeah Yeah. I think it's called the 10,000 hours something something yeah, yeah. so anyways I'm, I think I've put in the 10,000 hours actually by this point um But that just gives you an idea of how much um, 
work actually in it involves. I think when many people come to a concert, of course there's a, a element of enjoyment and people don't see the behind scenes and the hours that we put in. And in order to prepare for, I don't know, maybe an 40 minutes of music, it's really endless hours of um, practicing. It's hard to comprehend. It's like when we talk about those very big numbers and what it means, we don't really know what billions represent. We don't really know, you know. Exactly. And and the day-to-day commitment, the day-to-day practice. Um, you're, you're the second guest we have from the classical music sphere. We had uh, Maestro Ernst Van Til on, on, the, on the show and he was saying that you have to love the practice. Yes. How... Did you get to love the practice so much? I think I remember when I was a little girl that there were certain pieces of music that I came across and I, I remember thinking to myself, if I can play this music one day, then I'll be really, really happy. Yeah. And I think there was, that's when I knew there was some kind of uh, motivation and um, love for classical music because my parents I mean it's not every day like this but when I was little they, sometimes my parents asked me to practice and they try to make make a deal with me it's like oh, if you practice uh, we can go eat a hamburger or something like this <laughs> great um, deal <laughs> but I remember with certain pieces they didn't have to ask me I would just get up in the morning before going to school and I would want to practice so I could play it how, what's uh, a regular practice day for you? Like how many hours is, is a good day? Um, that really differs. I think as a musician, um, there's a lot of traveling involved. Mm. Um, so for a, my ideal day of practicing would be um, six hours. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, and I try to do 45 minutes and 15 minute break. Yeah. So that's a different sessions of 45 minutes, like four or five. Yeah. And um, because um, I learned that our brains can't focus more than 45 minutes. And I think when you practice mindlessly, then it can do more damage than good. Okay. I want to talk about the, um, how you perfect your, your play. Uh, do you think you're obsessed? I think all musicians are obsessed to a certain degree. We have to be. Yeah. Because we know perfection is impossible, but we always kind of strive for that. Yes. Yeah. So So you know when when I'm sure on Monday when you played you you got back to practice and you were like, "Hmm, this piece maybe I can make it a little bit better." Or mm-hmm. you you know, and for us it's so amazing, but mm-hmm. you you always and it's the same as a, a Michelin star um, exactly. chef, right? Yeah. So obsession is part of the game at this level. It is. It is. But I also think in a way, <laughs> I think musicians are to a certain degree a bit masochistic and um, it's almost like a drug because before you go on stage or when you have to, when you're under pressure, then you ask yourself, why am I putting this, my like, putting myself through this again and when you're on stage and you get to share your love and passion with people then that you forget about it completely and it's that experience of making music and sharing music is so meaningful yeah 
that it all the hours, all the work, it just you forget about the suffering. I think that comes with it, and then we live for the next time. When do I get to do it again? It's like a fix of yeah. <laughs> something. Yeah, and for us listening, for people who really enjoy this, it's a it's a really beautiful presence because when you understand what what comes into this, mm. oh, it's just yeah, it's addictive. Thank you. Levou meu sorriso E o sorriso dela Meu assunto Levou junto com ela o que me é de direito Arrancou-me do peito E tem mais Levou seu retrato, seu trato, seu prato Que papel Uma imagem de São Francisco E um bom disco De Noel A Rita matou Nosso amor de vingança Nem herança deixou Não levou um tostão porque não tinha não Mas causou perdas e danos Levou os meus planos, meus pobres enganos Os meus vinte anos, o meu coração E além de tudo, me deixou mudo Um violão A Rita levou meu sorriso O sorriso dela e meu assunto Levou junto com ela o que me é de direito Arrancou-me do peito e tem mais Levou seu retrato, seu trapo, seu prato Que papel Uma imagem de São Francisco E um bom disco de Noel A Rita matou nosso amor de vingança Nem herança deixou Não levou um tostão porque não tinha não Mas causou perdas e danos Levou os meus planos, meus pobres enganos Os meus vinte anos, o meu coração E além de tudo, me deixou mudo um violão Ok, we were in Brazil just now Oh, I loved it Chico Buarque a classic for those enjoying the music um, in the episode notes we put a link mm. to the playlist of all the tracks we've been Wonderful. playing in the show so if you want to follow up um, can we talk about the emotions uh, like connecting emotionally while you're playing or while you're performing whatever your job is whatever you're but especially in art it's very important to be emotionally involved involved in the in the performance mm -hmm. performance can you talk about the difference uh, between when you're not emotionally fully involved and when you are really connected mm -hmm. i think the most important thing is uh emotional generosity as as a musician and a performer um of course, we're human beings, so we cannot be 100% um, emotionally invested. That's the ideal. But I think it's also, we don't, we're like, in some ways, we are like actors. We have to be able to adapt. You cannot, you become the character when you're an actor. So you try to understand the emotional um, essence of whatever you're playing, or maybe 
and, and, and understand the context of which maybe what the composer had uh, intended to capture in his uh, composition. But the thing is, we are also, also craftsmen, so we cannot be touched so much by our own uh, music-making process that we break down and start crying or something. So we always have to have that um, objectivity, but also that emotional investment. That's, I think that's honest and sincere. I often find um, nowadays um, that we sort of try to create this kind of emotion and put it sort of like laid out for the audience. But I think my job or my ideal concert, I just present it. And I think I would like to give the freedom to the audience to experience it for themselves instead of like shoving it down their throat. Like this is the way you're supposed to feel. I don't want to tell anyone how they're supposed to feel. Right. Wow, that's interesting. Um Back to commitments and back to how things are in society today. Mm-hmm. What you just talked about um, is looking very different in how people now practice or experience um, maybe arts or music, and everything comes with an app where or with a gamification component to keep your motivation and your dopamine uh, going. Mm. How do you feel about that? I think I think with the advancement of technology, we've gained a lot, but we've also lost a lot because we don't have the space or the attention span or the time to experience things deeply. So, I mean, I think we think that we are experiencing many things and get exposed to so many different experiences, but they don't actually leave a mark in you and they don't shape you as a person because things that really matter, I think, take time. Right. And I think it's a dangerous phenomenon for young young people, for our generation, actually, because there's just too much going on and you don't ask yourself what it means or why and you don't take the time to actually appreciate it and to let it sink in. Hmm. So do you feel more alive and fulfilled when you perform something that you've been practicing so much in comparison to maybe, um, you know, you're playing a game or you're having this, this immediate gratification experience in another, in another area of life. You, you can, can you feel this gap of, of fulfillment or how, how do you explain it to people? Well, I, I believe that life is always about a balance. I don't think immediate gratification is a horrible thing. We need things that are just, you want to chill, you want to relax If you don't want to think about anything, I think everyone has their I think, guilty pleasure and I'm all for it because we need to let off steam. Yeah. But I don't think that should be the majority. And I think in that sense, it's healthier to have an imbalance. It's okay to have these immediate gratification and these whatever you like to do. But I think we have to really look at ourselves and how we shape our life that 
how much percent of your life is that and what other meaningful experiences mm. do you have that actually creates a perfect imbalance. Right. And so that's why you are a strong proponent of um, musical education uh, in childhood, during childhood. Very much. What... So I experienced this myself, like going to this, you know, theory classes and you kind of hate it, but you kind of like it. And it's just so hard. And now you see that, you know, people learn how to play the guitar with a with an iPad and, and this the kind of gamified system. And I was right. like, oh, if only I had this, but <laughs> but maybe not. How do you um, teach children and how do you impact children with this idea? Well, I personally believe that it's really useful for everyone to learn learn to play an instrument, not at a not necessarily as a professional, but as a hobby actually because I think it's a craft craft that takes discipline and commitment and it's not something that you can just do like that and you can achieve something. So it takes patience, it teaches you patience, which is a really important life skill yeah. and it also teaches you to there are there are going to be challenges but if you want to it teaches you to you know figure out a way to overcome a challenge instead of just dropping it because because it's difficult so i think in that sense those kind of life skills discipline patience are some things that you can carry with you that will help you in life not just in playing an instrument and I think those are lessons that we can learn when you um, learn how to play an instrument but I think the most important thing for musical education is to give give love and to to instill some kind of um, admiration and love for music Not, I don't think it should be that like you have to do this. But it's, if you have an appreciation and love, then I think you figure out your own way. D'abord, d'abord, il est né, lui qui est comme un melon, lui qui est un gros nez, lui qui sait plus son nom, monsieur, tellement qu'il boit. Tellement qu'il a bu, qui fait rien de ses dix doigts, mais lui qui n'en peut plus, lui qui est complètement cuit et qui se prend pour le roi, qui se saoule toutes les nuits avec du mauvais vin, mais qu'on retrouve matin dans l'église qui roupit, raide comme une saillie, blanc comme un cierge de Pâques, et puis qui balbutie, et qui a l'œil qui divague. Faut vous dire, monsieur, que chez ces gens-là, on ne pense pas, monsieur, on ne pense pas. On prie, et puis il y a l'autre, des carottes dans les cheveux, qui n'a jamais vu un peigne, qui est méchant comme une teigne, même qui donnerait sa chemise à des pauvres gens heureux, qui a marié la Denise, une fille de la ville, enfin, d'une autre ville et que c'est pas fini qui fait ses petites affaires avec son petit chapeau avec son petit manteau avec sa petite auto 
T'aimerais bien voir l'air Mais qu'a pas l'air du tout Faut pas jouer les riches Quand on n'a pas le sou Faut vous dire, monsieur Que chez ces gens-là On ne vit pas, monsieur On ne vit pas On triche et puis, il y a les autres, la mère qui ne dit rien ou bien n'importe quoi. Et du soir au matin, sous sa belle gueule d'apôtre et dans son cadre en bois, il y a la moustache du père qui mord d'une glissade et qui regarde son troupeau bouffer la soupe froide. Et ça fait des grands... Et ça fait des grands... Et puis elle a toute vieille qui en finit pas de vibrer et qu'on attend qu'elle crève, vu que c'est elle qui a l'oseille, et qu'on n'écoute même pas ce que ces pauvres mains racontent. Faut vous dire, monsieur, que chez ces gens-là, on ne cause pas, monsieur. On ne cause pas. On compte. Et puis... Et puis il y a Frida qui est belle comme un soleil Et qui m'aime pareil que moi j'aime Frida Même qu'on se dit souvent qu'on aura une maison Avec des tas de fenêtres, avec presque pas de murs Et qu'on vivra dedans et qu'il fera bon y être Et que si c'est pas sûr, c'est quand même peut-être Parce que les autres veulent pas, parce que les autres veulent pas les autres, ils disent comme ça qu'elle est trop belle pour moi Que je suis tout juste bon à égorger les chats J'ai jamais vu de chat Ou alors il y a longtemps Ou bien j'ai oublié Ou ils sentaient pas bon Enfin ils veulent pas Enfin ils veulent pas Parfois quand on se voit Semblant que c'est pas exprès Avec ses yeux mouillants Elle dit qu'elle partira Elle dit qu'elle me suivra Alors pour un instant Pour un instant seulement Alors moi je la crois monsieur Pour un instant Pour un instant seulement Parce que chez ces gens là monsieur On ne s'en va pas On ne s'en va pas monsieur On ne s'en va pas Mais il est tard, monsieur. Il faut que je rentre chez moi. Do you feel something? I loved it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, this is so I wanted to play this song and following what you said about being able to produce those emotions through per performance uh moving to the the power of the artists now in general which is to I mean the artist has many powers but there is this <laughs> yes <laughs> we need the artists <laughs> um but in a world where when we talk about change when we talk about society, everything, everything is so um, left brain or analytical or data or about fear, about the, the beauty of art is that it can show possibility and artists can get 
under our skin mm -hmm. and make us feel uh, in different ways. How do you see the role of the artist for change in society? And is it the responsibility of the artist to take a role uh, for change um, or in change roadmaps? Does it vary? How do you feel about this? Well, I can only speak for myself when it comes to this kind of uh, philosophical question. For me, I think to have different levels, um, artists have many responsibilities to the society. I mean, you can say things like, yes, we have to provide beauty to the world and, you know, provide entertainment in some ways too. But for me, I believe that as an artist, there is so many ways to create an impact on the world and in so many positive ways. And as you mentioned, there are so many people try to label things these days and there are always these categories and name for everything. But so much of the world is the unspoken, is in the unspoken and things mm. that cannot be explained. And I think music is just that. It's always dealing with the things that cannot be really spoken and cannot be explained. And I think in that sense, I wanted to, I always brought, I was brought up in a way that it's great you do what you love, but it doesn't really mean much if you cannot give back to, to the world. And mm -hmm. that's what my mom always used to say. And That's, that's just been um, my dream, to be able to share what I do, but also to make a positive um, impact on the world. I heard you quote uh, Bernstein, mm -hmm. who said that this will be our reply to violence, to make music more intensely, more beautifully, more devotedly than ever before. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite quotes. And I mean, I question myself, like, what does it mean to be an artist? And are, am I actually doing anything to change, to create a positive uh, influence on the world? And there was a phase where I felt, no, I'm, I'm just practicing. I'm playing concerts, but how does that do anything? You know, how does that help people? And I was looking for uh, a meaning in what I do. And I realized that, but I have a gift and I have this passion. Not everyone has that. And to have this ability, then of course to have the ability, I think it comes with so much responsibility. You have to use it in a meaningful way. Yeah. And so I thought I have my talent and I have this passion. And there are people who, acknowledge this and appreciate it. So some things that I've tried to do was that I, I organized a code drive for the refugee uh, children um, because I mean I grew up in a very comfortable place. I was always able to do what I love, but some it's really sad and terrible to think that some people 
they don't even have a roof over their head and they have to think about food. Mm. And so I thought, okay, all I can give is my talent and my passion. So I just spread the word. I organized a concert um, and I asked people to donate if you have coats or canned foods that you can um, share, then that will be um, our gift to these people. And I realized there are, it's not changing the world, you know, maybe it will only affect 30, 40 people, but it's better than not doing anything. Yeah, and it may <laughs> become a lot bigger than what you think. I hope so. I mean, I think change happens from small places. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So if the artist has a power and, in your opinion, a responsibility to get involved via the arts, probably one variable is how much people are in society are initiated or able to experience the arts because one thing well we were talking about it with classical music for instance that very little people um, a very small number of people listen to classical music with intensity mm. if you compare to maybe pop music sure. uh, what you hear on the radio um, and it takes it's like paintings and sculpture and other art forms where there's this onboarding journey mm -hmm. that helps people enter a new dimension. Mm -hmm. How do you go about this? So I also think that's our responsibility since it's our responsibility as artists, as classical musicians to not just play in the comfort zone. So I strongly believe in, um, you know, playing in different venues. And that's actually how this uh, Tali, Lab, uh, Tali Foundation came about. They had never hosted uh, classical music concerts before. Um, they're very involved in the art scene, but not in music. So I thought that they are already, you know, actively supporting society and encouraging artists to get involved in society. And why... Why not bring music here? And so, I mean, I have a friend who really inspired me in getting involved uh, in the society because he, he and I went to school together in Philadelphia and he founded an orchestra, a program to provide young people, teenagers in um, North Philly, which is a very, there's a high crime rate, guns and drugs and since he's started this movement it's changed so much he's gotten kids off the streets he's uh given them you know joy and something else to focus on i think some kids get on this path because they don't know any better and to give give these children an outlet and and to create a safe environment for everyone I realized, wow, music has the power to do this, actually. <laughs> and I think that was the turning point for me, really. I, I want to do something like that. And I love performing for, you know, regular concert goers. But it is a really great responsibility for, responsibility for me to 
share it with people who might not have an access. And I know not everyone, not every musician is doing this. So I will take it upon upon my myself that I get involved and go to these places. So, I mean, when I can, I try to also bring music to people who cannot come to the concerts. And I'm talking about, okay, maybe these children, but also really sick people who are bound at the hospital. They cannot move and they're... They're really suffering, but and I think in our lives we're dealing with many, many mundane, ordinary things. That's also part of life. But my hope is that with my music that I can create extraordinary moments. And it can be, you know, 10 seconds, one minute. But I think that gives more meaning to this mundane, ordinary hmm. seconds and minutes and hours. This is cosmic, Christine. <laughs>
You know, I was thinking the, there are two great powers of music and it's kind of contradicting. It's like, I think the music has power to transport us into a different place because we went to Brazil listening to music earlier and it's like we went to we went out you know and having a fun night out Cuba yeah exactly uh, South US <laughs> so we've already traveled to so many places through experience experiencing music and but at the same time music also has a power to make us face face what's going on in the society I mean I have a Actually, just recently at Bazaar um, in Brussels, last last week, I think, um, I had a great cellist I admire. He performed a program dedicated to Brexit and things like this. I think many people, I think, forget actually that music is so relevant. It's it's our response and answer to to what's going on in society. It's our you know. Reflection, mm -hmm. and I think it goes back to old days of Beethoven and Bach. You know, Beethoven wrote some like Eroica Symphony in response to, you know, the way he it was his response to Napoleon. And there's pieces written by a composer named uh, Penderecki, and that he wrote a piece right after um, the bombing of uh, Hiroshima. And so I think. We often forget. We get hung up in this, like, oh, art and yeah. music, <laughs> and we forget that there is so much connection and relevance. Do you think every human being on the planet has the potential to appreciate any art form or any style of music? Yes, 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 two hundred percent. I think it's a matter of um, being exposed at the right time in the right moment. I mean, it's like, to give you an example, it's like you go to college, you go to university, and maybe you don't know what your major is going to be. And you get, you by chance drop into a class and that professor's great. And somehow you, maybe you were never interested in law, let's say. Right. But somehow, just through that one experience, you're completely hooked and you might end up becoming a lawyer or something like this. I think art is like that, but even deeper because once you get hooked, the more you um, educate yourself and the more you experience, I think the appreciation, what you get out of, the, basically the more you invest in, the more you get out of. Mm -hmm. So I think it may take time, <laughs> but... I think everyone has, because the thing is, everyone has emotions. So unless you're a, I don't know, psychopath, <laughs> um, music is about storytelling and emotions. So how, how can we not, how can I not say, of course, everyone has the ability to appreciate because mm -hmm. everyone, there's something that everyone, emotion is something that everyone can relate to. I have a very good technique now. And when people don't really appreciate classical music, I give you a call. <laughs> come in the room with your instrument. Deal. You go. Bam. Deal. Deal. Ten, yeah. Ten minutes later, they're like, ooh, this feels good. <laughs> 
right? But this yeah. is also because experiencing it live and being initiated, as you're saying, it's in due time with the right, you know, process, the right initiation helps a lot. And music has also become uh, a background noise to our lives where we don't listen to a full album anymore or like, you know, you receive a call, you never tell people like, hey, uh, sorry, I need to call you back because I'm listening to music. Mm. So we don't listen to music like we watch a movie, for instance, right. or most people don't, let's say. Um, how do you... Do you think it's possible to have, you know, institutions in society embracing what you just said and part of experiencing Brexit or very, you know, yeah, policy-focused uh, debates mm. or investment-focused debates? Should, should music and arts be part of the... Um, of the day, of the experience for those people who are working on, on those topics? I think if music was a part of, music is a part of their day, then I think we would be arguing less. Yes. Yeah, because it's all about trying to understand each other, trying to be on the same page rather than like saying that my way is right. Um. But the irony of the modern society is that because of the accessibility, as you mentioned, in a way you can get whatever you want anywhere. But then because of that, we're kind of losing out on the actual experience. Because what I'm thinking, for instance, is, you know, lobbyists, they, they have access to the parliament and to the institutions. They have their little badge mm -hmm. and they can go and influence. Mm -hmm. Why don't artists like you have a little badge and can go, can go and perform at the parliament with your instrument? Uh, a gut reaction, an emotional reaction to a specific topic mm -hmm. and give uh, a moment to decision makers to get inspired and feel differently about that, an that issue. That should be our, our mission. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, we just shook hands. <laughs> We're going to make it happen. I mean, in fact, I have um, gone to the parliament and I've, I've played for certain um, ceremonies and things like this, but I, I do think if music was... I think there's still a big barrier that art and music, although we say, oh yes, it's part of the world and part of society, but they kind of leave it out and I think if instead of thinking of it as something that's difficult to approach but as more rather as a just part of everything and yeah, part of life structural exactly and maybe as you suggested it should be more built in yeah. but I think people think oh but there's these important things and art can wait and it's a little bit like when they talk about involving the youth mm-hmm Uh, you have those events for young leaders, you have, you know, youth being mentioned into the debates, but youth is not really structurally involved exactly. in decision making. It's a little bit the same.
Remember to share Cosmic with your friends and colleagues if you know people who are resisting certain styles of music, uh, resisting the arts. I think this discussion is a great way in. Yeah. And I am uh, actually, it's very helpful for me to have this, um, to, to hear you talk about this because I 
always um, when I construct this show and, and give music a prominent role, um, that is my intention, but I never formalized it this way. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we play very different types of styles of music, that is my intention as well. Um, because I know what this diversity is bringing me. Mm -hmm. But people tend to like one or two or three styles of music and mm -hmm. just constantly, um, you know, listen to those right. without going expanding. outside, expanding. Yeah. And I think that's a strong idea as well for other areas of society where of we need to um, understand the reality of other, um, you know, forums, other opinions yeah. um it's i think it teaches us to be um it celebrates diversity actually and um it teaches us to be open-minded which mm. i think is a very important factor in in modern society because it's it's let's face it it's like so globalized yeah. you know and we are meant to be there are so many different cultures and instead of being afraid or being judgmental about it, I think there's a way to coexist if you can mutually respect, if we can um, mutually respect. I mean, I don't, even sometimes when I don't know certain more modern um, classical music, sometimes I'm scared by it and I, it's it's foreign territory for me. But right. instead of shunning it as like, oh, I don't like it, it I think it's about giving it a chance mm. and keeping an open mind and maybe at another moment in your life you might like it yeah you know what's your dream oh <laughs> <laughs> no no transition <laughs> no transition that was like no but in in that sphere in um, maybe from the perspective of your passion and your career and and this um do you have any specific objectives or you you know live your life with the flow and Actually, I think about last month, I was thinking, trying to come up with my five-year and 10-year plan. Mm. Um, I think I would like to find a formal foundation um, that's actually based um, in Korea, where I'm from. And to give, because I think... Korea, after the liberation from Japan and also after the war, uh, the Korean War, it was, you know, a really broken place. And economically, it grew very, very fast. And it, culturally, it's, it's blossoming as well. But it's still very much limited to, I think, the elite, hmm. I think. Or, or let's say middle upper class. Yeah. And I think there's so many um, older generation and people who don't have the access to this kind of education. And I've been very fortunate to be exposed from a young age, but I would like to give people the opportunity to help them in this education um, if they don't have the enough means to go abroad and experience um, life and music, then with this foundation, I would like to um, help people educate. 
Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I feel we're going to have you back on the show in a, in a couple of years or well, whenever our path crosses across uh, again. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot that needs to happen in the sphere. Like I feel there's so much work from from one to ten. How far are we in in bringing the arts um, into social environmental change as as a structural element? One being it's not there at all, mm -hmm. and ten being like oh we it's full potential. Full po okay, I wouldn't. I'm an optimist, so <laughs> I wouldn't say there's nothing. I actually do think there's so many initiatives actually right. being taken, um, and there also there are all. Um, I think it's important also for the artists and musicians to be educated in this way mm -hmm. because we we're not so knowledgeable in necessarily um, what's happening around us because we're so focused on perfecting our ourselves and our skills. So I think in that sense, the awareness has to happen on both sides. Yeah, There has to be a desire on our part as well to, to make change. So in that sense, and it, that's, that's happening, I see it a lot. So I think that that's quite, um, that will change, I think, in the next few years. But as we spoke about, for instance... You know, playing at being really present, music being there at the European Parliament, and while the policy makers are discussing this, um, I haven't really heard of <laughs> of that so much. Let's um, make a proposal. <laughs> I think we should make a proposal, and in that sense, I mean, I I would say we're I don't know, but I think three or four. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to be achieved. Okay. Uh, do you want to say a few words about uh, what you're doing with the Talia Foundation, where we're sitting here today? And then we are going to finally listen to your performance, one track. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I'm really, really fortunate to be working with the Talia Foundation. Uh, we are curating a series of concerts once every month. And we're bringing... All different types of music, classical, but different kinds of, I mean, so I played a solo uh, cello concert, but for instance, for next season, we have um, saxophone quartet, for instance. Um, I'll be returning with another cellist, so we'll be playing some cello duets, which mm -hmm. is always fun. Um, and we'll also be bringing some um, ancient music, actually, Baroque Ancient wow. music from 1600, 16 to 1700s, where it's, where it, I mean, you can link it back to like Gregorian chants and things like this, but that's, we don't really know how it would have sounded. But yeah. when I say ancient music, I mean mostly 1600, 16 to 1700s. The good old days. The good old days. <laughs> and, and we plan to even um, organize some philosophical discussions about all that with the music. So I'm really, really excited for for all that. We'll see how it all goes. Yeah, we will uh, link the program in the notes of the of the episode. So people listening on Spotify or on podcast apps on YouTube will be able to find it. Um, yeah, I would really like to thank you for this amazing moment, uh, talking about those important topics that are dear to my heart. And... Um, that all listeners are enjoying as well. Uh, I hope to see you again 
very soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm sure uh, we are going to do things together and we're going to bring this uh, music and art dimension into uh, institutions, don't you think? Sounds like a good plan. And if not us, people... A lot of the listeners will be able to to help and support this yes, idea. Yes, if you have any ideas or ways to <laughs> get involved in this cause, please please get in contact with us. All right, now we're listening to Christine Lee playing the cello. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Keep up the good work, and uh, yeah, stay cosmic. Thank you.